It's time again. Welcome back to the Wrigley Report podcast. It's Big Cynical Ben. You can find us online, medium.com slash the-wrigley-rapport, R-A-P-P-O-R-T. You can find this podcast on Twitter, at Wrigley Podcast. You can find Wrigley Report on Twitter, at Wrigley Rapport. Or you can find me on Twitter. I don't always stick to baseball. I got some culture, got some politics, but you can find me at Big Ben KC. Always like the interaction. Try to live stream the games, live tweet the games, sorry, on um, Wrigley Podcast. Got some fun tweets, got some memes, got some awesome polls going every game, uh, many as I try to make it. So let's jump right in. Here's the good news. Cubs are only four games back in the division. Yeah. There you go. There's some glass half full. Everything else was meaningless, though. We almost got no hit by Adam Plutko. He no hit the Cubs for six innings. You everybody knows this. And that's what you get. Everybody who wanted a, a team stacked full of home run hitters, well, this is what can happen. Everybody's striking out or hitting morning track flies, WTFs. The Indians, though, they managed to scrape a run across. John Lester pitched out of his mind. Last night, John Lester restored my faith in humanity. This man is our cornerstone in the Cubs' elite rotation, and he has earned his title. Dude pitched beautifully. The Indians only managed to scrape across one run. It took a single, a bunt, and a single. That's it. Think about it. That's three fair ball contacts in a row. Single, bunt, single. And one, only two of them made it out of the infield. So, say small ball doesn't win championships, you obviously haven't been paying attention. Because some, when you're playing against elite pitching, small ball is the only way to scrape runs across. And in the playoffs, the Cubs will be facing elite pitching. Need to unlearn what we have learned as a strikeout, first ask questions later team trying to hit the home run ball and we need to take a page from the small ball playbook and start looking at ourselves to get runners over and runners in that's the key here so what's wrong with the Cubs offense Cubs Twitter was on fire last night after the 7th inning oh we'll get there we will get there you hold your horses we're headed there all in due time as the program unfolds and it could be worse. But after being no-hit by a rookie in a second major league start, it doesn't feel like it could get much worse. The problem with the major league baseball players is they're coddled. You work your butt off, you ride the buses in minor league baseball, you eat at McDonald's off the dollar menu every day on your stipend. You pay your dues to sit in the major league clubhouses to get to the show, to have your luggage handled by somebody else. 
to stay in the biggest hotels, to fly in the fanciest jets all over the country. After you win a World Series and you're in your mid and young 20s, that compounds the problem with complacency at the plate. The Cubs have Chili as their new hitting coach. He is supposed to be part of the solution to our offensive woes. Here's the thing. I don't think Chili's the problem. I don't. I think you got too many young guys. The Beagles are too big to change their approaches at the plate. Let me give you an example. I managed a team in Kansas City. Amateurs. We still had some fireballers. Amateur pitchers. One guy named Seth. Never forget him. Dude was built like a linebacker. Pitched for me. I was the manager. And he just, he wheeled back and hurled it. He was a big old lefty. But when he would get runners on base, his little heart would start pitter-pattering. And he'd get juiced up and he'd get amped up. And he'd start throwing harder. And then his ball would steadily climb higher in the strike zone. And then it would start missing over the top of the strike zone. He'd start walking more people. So the problem would compound on top of itself. He would walk people and it would lead to him walking more people. And we had discussed this. The pitching coach had discussed this with him. We had worked through it. You need to calm down. You need to focus in. You need to hit the bottom of the strike zone. You need to play catch with the catcher. It doesn't matter if the guys get a hit. we got the defense behind you. Practice after practice after practice after practice. We drilled this into Seth's head. You reach back and you throw to the bottom of the strike zone and you relax while you're doing it. Otherwise, you're going to lift the ball through the zone and guys are going to hit home runs or they're going to walk. And then come the playoff games. And in the playoff game, his heart was pitter-pattering and he started to lose it. And I saw it. He started throwing harder. I saw his teeth grimace. And I called time and I walked out to the mound. And he stared at me with a fire of a thousand bloodthirsty sons as I put my glove over my mouth and I said to him, relax and keep the ball low, otherwise you're not going to strike out anybody. And he nodded his head and I ran back to first base and he threw the next pitch and it was hit for a two-run home run over the left field wall. So... Much like Morpheus in The Matrix says, there is a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Patience at the plate is not an automatic, especially for mid-20-year-olds. We have a young team. Cubs fans, this is a young team. These guys are immature, and they don't have a lot of patience. Yeah, they can win MVPs, and they can hit home runs in 10 games in a row. It does not matter if we almost get no hit with a lineup full of elite sluggers. Not so elite when they come up against pitching that they haven't seen before. This is the thing. Rookie pitchers, especially you'll notice this in fantasy baseball leagues, rookie pitchers get picked up quick because they are out of this world. They pitch out of their minds for the first few starts. Why is that? Because there's no film on them. Because there's no opposition research. Even if they do have a scouting report, players look at them like, this is a rookie, man. I don't need this scouting report. I'm about to take this rookie to school. 
They don't see the tendencies. They don't see the pitch locations. They don't have a, a good pitch placement idea of where the pitcher likes to go with what counts. They think they're going to walk up there and they're going to get a feel for one of his fastballs and drive it over the wall. And really, the rookie pitcher schools them. And then later in the game, they're flipping through that scouting report. Why isn't there more here? Well, maybe you need to take that scouting report seriously. Veterans are especially the worst at this. We have veterans on the team, too. Apparently, they didn't look at the scouting report either. There is no reason the Cubs need to be no hit into the sixth inning. Little grounders here and there, pop up, pop flies. Addison Russell, if I see another home run bat flip from you on a warning track pop fly, I'm going to make you do push-ups. Just like Willie Mays Hayes. Good Lord, son. You had runners on base. A single might have scored somebody. Situational hitting, son. I'm fired up about that. No situational hitting awareness. The Cubs hitters know what they have to do, but they're unwilling to do it because they want to hit home runs and they want to get their stats on the long ball up. And that's the problem. When are they going to decide that they want to do something better than strike out or hit warning track fly balls? Yes, they'll they'll score 10, 15 runs in a game. That is the worst thing that could possibly happen because then they think they don't need small ball. They think they don't need it. It's the only way we're going to win this thing. The only way. And mark my words, if we can't figure that out and make a run at the end of the postseason, this will be the first year in four years we haven't been in the NLCS. Mark my words. In case you haven't heard, Wrigley Rapport has a sponsor, Wrigleyville Sports. You can find them online at WrigleyvilleSports.com. They're right across the street from Wrigley Field. Are you hitting your head against the wall because of this Cubs offense? Have you been hitting your head against the wall so long there's now a hole in your wall? I've got good news. Wrigleyville Sports has plenty of selection of decorative Cubs wall art available for sale online and in-store. Feel free to visit them online. WrigleyvilleSports.com Use the promo code PARENTS2018. Get 10% off orders less than $100. Or if you get more than $100, you get 10% off or 15% off and free shipping. Visit them today. WrigleyvilleSports.com So let's get to it. Let's get to the seventh inning. Let's get the gears grinding here. Two on, no out. Squeeze bunt. Rizzo's caught at home, dead to rights. And he got a late break on that. It it doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to anybody. And Cubs Twitter was ready to set fire to Wrigley Field last night. I swear to God. Not the best offensive decision. And then Addison Russell gets up there and strikes out at a horrendous pitch. Just a a, a ridiculous pitch and a swing that was forgettable. And Addy, you can do better. Keep trying, son. Stop swinging for the fences and just start hitting singles. Trust me. And then Jason Hayward walks to the plate and proceeds to ground out to end the inning. 2-1, no out. 2-1, no out. 
We can't scratch run on this? Are you kidding me? After the game, Joe Madden stood out there in front of the Cubs backdrop with his trademark black glasses and silver fox-like hair. And like the kung fu movie senseis of old, he took those fiery arrows from the media. He sat there. It was my fault. It was my fault. It was my fault. Let me share a secret with you. Just, you know, just between you and me. Having been a manager. Having understand what goes on. Interviews after ball games are meaningless. Let me tell you why. Because there is no substance in them. The manager never throws his players under the bus. Ever. Ever. And if he does start throwing his players under the bus, he is soon going to find himself out of a job. Number two. Managers are never going to give the opposition bulletin board material. Just like in football. You go out there, you say, yeah, they played us tough. They had a better job of hitting the ball and our ace was on and their ace was on and blah, 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 blah. And number three, it's always a predetermined response from a coach's grab bag of responses. Every coach goes has, has their go-tos they go back to. Everybody played really hard. They just got to play one day at a time. Our offense is going to come around. Or they take that big old fat world series ring and they knock it on the podium. That's it. You're not going to get any insight. What were you thinking? Well, I thought he was due. That's usually what the answer is. Newspaper guys have to go in there and ask questions because that's what they get paid to do. But it's always the same answer. You have to look at what goes on on the field to deconstruct exactly what's going on in the clubhouse. Exactly what's going on in the dugout. So let's let's deconstruct the seventh inning a little bit. Two on, nobody out. Prime real estate. Third base. 90 feet away. Tying run. No outs. Javi buys at the plate. El Mago is at the plate with a piece of birch that can launch the ball to the wall. Not over it necessarily, but to the wall. In the gap. Triples enthusiast. Make your money. And he bunts. Not only does he bunt, it looks like it took Rizzo by surprise. And then Joe Madden after the game says that was me. I made the call. I wanted to bunt. Yet, Joe, I'm sorry. Everybody else takes that answer. I don't. I don't believe it for a second, and here's why. Because one, if you're going to do a suicide squeeze, you have Rizzo charging down the line on first moving home. Rizzo wasn't doing it. He had taken his extra lead. He was not charging down the base pads at first movement. If he had been, he'd been safe. But he wasn't. Rizzo was taken by surprise. If you're going to call a suicide squeeze bunt, you pull a Jackie Robinson and have your guy on third base charging toward the plate when the pitcher steps to the plate. Two, El Mago likes to steal bases. El Mago put the bunt down trying to steal first base to load the bases up. 
I think he made this call himself. I think Elmago made this call because he likes to play it fast and loose. And because that's Elmago's style. Because if Joe would have called it, then Rizzo would have been all, already home by the time Elmago put the bunt down. And it's ridiculous to think otherwise. Further proof that this was Javi's decision is the fact that Jason Hayward was let in. So you're going to tell me the world-famous patience of Joe Madden put Jason Hayward in the most important batting spot in the game with two outs and two guys on in order to try to scratch off a run to keep his right fielder confident in his ability to get a hit when Almora and Zobers were sitting on the bench and were both better hitters. You're telling me he's throwing Jason Hayward out there to try to get a hit to keep his confidence up when he told Javi to bunt, I ain't buying it, not for a split second. You had three switch hitters and a lefty in the Indians lineup, hardly a cavalcade of left-handed hitters to keep right fielder busy. And you could have put Almora anywhere in the outfield and the dude would have made highlight catches. So what is really going on here? You kept Hayward in, Joe. Joe, can I call you Joe? Nice ring, Joe. I like the glasses too. You kept Hayward in because you wanted to make sure he knew you had confidence in him, which is good management decision if you're trying to instill confidence in a player by showing them how patient you are with them in clutch spots because, hey, it's only May. It's the middle of the season. But if you wanted to win this game, if you wanted to scratch a run across home, you need to take somebody off that bench and stick them in there. This was not the time to be patient. This was the time to scratch across the run. And you didn't do it. And then you took the arrows for Javi, pulling that bun out of his rear end. And you didn't have the gonads to put a clutch hitter in there and march Hayward to the plate when everybody knows he's on this team for his defense. You didn't need his defense for the next three innings. So Javi squares the bunt, leaves Rizzo in no man's land. Kills our chances of getting that run in 90 feet from home. And then he marches Hayward out there to seal our fate. What are you going to do? I mean, at this point, what are you going to do? It's it's May, everybody. We are fourth... <coughs> excuse me, we are fourth in division. We're only four games back, which is the good news. And Milwaukee's hopefully going to hit a wall. Our approach has got to change. But it's not our approach by the coaches. It's our approach by the players. We need leaders in the locker room. We need leaders who are veterans to help bring these guys around. And I have a feeling that there aren't enough veterans who have the leadership pull on in this clubhouse that can get the ship righted without some help. I really am. Rizzo's our captain in the clubhouse. Who's helping him mentor these other guys to not making stupid decisions like putting bunts down when Rizzo's 90 feet out without telling anybody about it? There's no way you can sell that to me that Joe called that. Better decision making. Situational hitting. We always come back to this. We always come back to this when we're talking about Cubs offense. No situational awareness. Yeah, it's easy to get up there and crank out a triple when we're up six or seven and nothing. But when your screws are tightened down and the pressure's on and you got to get the guy home from third base or you lose the game, what do you do? What do you do? 
Ah, sorry, I had a speed flashback. But that's it. The Cubs got to make better decision making. And it's, it's, it's the eight inches between their ears. And until they make the decision to do better, to change their approach, to put their egos aside, start hitting for contact, eh, you're going to see more of this. Last year it took a, a, the Cubs getting no hit before they got their heads unjammed from their rectums and started getting some offense back on the board. Let's hope it doesn't take that long because I want to see at least one Cub with a ring on his finger in the All-Star game this year, and I know you do too. Get out there, vote early, vote often. All-Star voting's going on now. <laughs> we got the Giants coming up. Hopefully we get back in the winning ways. If we're going to win, it's going to win big. But if we're going to lose, we're going to be we're not, we're not be able to scratch cross runs. Let's see what else we can do to get frustrated by the Cubs because Lord knows. If you've been a Cubs fan this long, you understand what a real gift 2016 was. All right, that's all for me today. Find us at medium.com slash the-wrigley-report for the Wrigley Report. You can find us on Twitter at Wrigley Report. Find the podcast on Twitter at Wrigley Podcast. This is host Big Cynical Ben saying, let's go Cubs.